Welcome to Reimagining Schools, a podcast from the Edupreneur Academy. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Scott Martin, the founder of the Odyssey Leadership Academy. This innovative school model has a vision to help its students become wise, virtuous, and compassionate human beings. Hey, Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm, I'm great. I'm great. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. I appreciate your time and excited to hear a little bit about your story. So I would love to just start with that. If you could tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got into education and entrepreneurship and then, you know, starting a school, we'd love to hear a little bit more about your story. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for having me on. I love um, chatting with people that have a heart for seeing education reimagined and um, are kind of permissionless in that uh, way. And I think that's certainly what you're doing. So it's it's exciting to be a part of that. And it's an honor. Um, So just to give you a kind of a brief background, um, I've been working in education going back to about 1994, um, working with students in a variety of capacities uh, as a teacher, as a coach, uh, school administrator, and just to kind of briefly catch up to the work we're doing now in about 2000. 13, um, I was finished up my uh, doctoral degree in, in education and just really starting to ask the question, um, you know, what what might schools look like if we um, shook the Etch-A-Sketch and, and dreamed better dreams for them? Uh, we were to work to tell better stories than just uh, tests and grades and desks and rows and worksheets and quizzes that didn't really speak to the deep uh, needs that students have, the deep needs that we have as a culture and society. And so it was just really just kind of dreaming out what schools could be. And somewhere in that process decided that um, I might just try to do this own, uh, this thing. And so in 2015, uh, left the, the school that I was at and spent two years uh, meeting with anybody that would talk to me and traveling all over the country, looking at different models, uh, really trying to answer the question, if I were to start a school, uh, what would that look like? And so the answer to that for us, of course, is um, Odyssey Leadership Academy. And uh, for us, the most important thing, I would say our North Star really is human and communal flourishing. And, and for us, that means that we are not going to have anything in the dynamic um, of what we call schooling that is going to um, um, detract us from walking towards that North Star of human and communal flourishing. Uh, and it also means that we get to um, reimagine um, space, place, um, even the, the rhythm of the day um, and the rhythm of the school year in ways that I think do promote that. So, of course, we can talk more about that. But um, I would just say the journey began by really thinking about, you know, if I were to start a school um, that was focused um, intentionally on how to help uh, students in this really critical uh, time of formation in their life, what would that look like? So. That's a little bit of the journey. That's the odyssey to odyssey um, that led us to what we're doing now. Yeah. And it was great to chat with you a few weeks ago. I know we really had a lot of kind of, you know, same similar energy and in terms of thinking about, you know, what schools could look like. And that's always exciting to find yeah. somebody else that, you know, feels that way and is with Absolutely. Working on that kind of um, kind of work. So it's exciting. And so I would love to, if you want to just into kind of going a little bit more about what you're doing now, just tell us a little bit more specifically about odyssey kind of you know, what students you have there now and kind of what you guys are working towards and, and all the information about your, your school. Yeah, sure. So um, again, we started in 2015 and uh, with the North Star of Human and Communal Flourishing. So for that, uh, for us, that looks like 
um, helping students really walk out um, their kind of deepest sense of identity, of purpose, of belonging, um, and, and also kind of their mission in the world. And so, you know, as I mentioned earlier to us, that looks like um, helping students by giving them voice, uh, by giving them a place to um, really own the education that happens. And so we do that in a variety of ways. Um, first and foremost, I would say uh, everything we do is uh, really centered around um, how do we help students be their most robust selves. And so we do mentoring every single day. Every student's in a mentor group. We start school with that. The first 45 minutes of our day is spent in mentor time. And so for us, that looks like um, being in a group of caring uh, community uh, that can look like going to a coffee shop. It can look like um, playing dodgeball, volleyball. Um, but, it, but it most importantly looks like just doing life with students. So they know they've got um, uh, an accountability group, a peer group, uh, but they also have adults that care about them. And I think one of the things that um, is really unfortunate in the traditional school systems that, you know, students are just run through this ringer of classes. You know, you've got six, seven, five minute passing period. You're trying to um, hustle uh, all over the building, all over the place. And the adults in the space don't really have time to build those deep, caring um, relationships that I think are really important to adolescent flourishing. And so we've literally just slowed time down to say the first 45 minutes of our day is going to be our students in community with each other. And so community is a huge part of what we do. Um, so it really kind of runs through everything we do. And then from there, um, academically, um, we've really shaped the answer sketch up to say, how do we invite students into the conversation about what kind of classes they want to take. And so um, about every April or so, we'll ask students, you know, what math do you want to take? What science, what uh, literature do you want to um, study and read? Uh, what history do you want to pursue? And so out of that, we've um, been able to engage great courses like uh, Russian literature, um, forensic science, marine biology, Harry Potter, uh, so we really we really invite students into that process with us. And then we also invite students to co-teach those classes with us. So, for example, we have a student who is really passionate about um, architectural engineering and design. And so we asked that student to um, co-teach that class. And then he ended up getting a full ride scholarship to his top school of choice to study that um, in college. So it really is what I call uh, learner centered, which means that I get to be um, a, a participant on the journey uh, in a given class. Um, I get to be part of the um, learning community in a given class. So it's not um, a textbook and a worksheet coming from someplace else. We create our own courses um, and we do that uh, with students um, in, in the entire process. And then we do things like service leadership. So uh, we spend every Wednesday afternoon um, as an entire school um, engaging our community. We feel like it's really important for our students to um, walk out of Odyssey being good citizens, uh, good allies, good uh, neighbors. And so right now uh, we're really looking at what does it mean to um, shape just and happy cities. So uh, we're doing everything from um, reimagining transportation, housing, working with uh, working with uh, our, our city's uh, legislators to really say, let's get into the weeds of what a, um, a just and happy city looks like and how do we, how do we shape that out? And so that's, uh, and then we do things like uh, travel. We really think it's important for our students to experience um, learning in real time. So we do three trips a year. We do community trips to Colorado to river raft and rock climb and zip line and horseback ride. And we do, culture trips where we've lived in tents on, um, you know, the uh, Native American Pueblos. 
Uh, we've marched the Pettus Bridge in Selma. We've been to the um, National Civil Rights Museum. We've been to uh, Washington, D.C., New York City, Chicago, uh, Civil War battle sites, uh, Jamestown, Yorktown. So it's a real holistic experience. Um, and so it, it really is just kind of reimagining um, every part of what we mean by schooling um, towards the ends of helping students be just really wise, virtuous, and compassionate um, architects of repair in the world. I love that. So many of that, those pieces are just so different than our traditional, you know, school systems. And I love that you guys are really willing to kind of push the envelope on what that looks like for, for kids and, you know, the mentoring aspect and the community pieces and service. I, I think that's all fantastic. So I really applaud you for, you know, just jumping into this because I know we've talked a little bit about, you know, the beginnings and it's not like you had this huge, you know, nest egg sitting on to get this started. And so I'd love to hear more about that. Right. Kind of your early, you know, starting, I know you mentioned that you did some traveling to other schools around the country. So if there's anything specific that really, you know, influenced you or you were like, wow, that, you know, I'd love to take parts and pieces from this. Um, yeah. I'd love to hear some more about that. And then yeah, just for of sure. So started. Yeah. Um, well, I, again, I knew I wanted to um, reimagine the, um, the very structure of, of what happens in schooling towards, again, those ends of human and communal flourishing. And um, I, I had done enough research to know that there were really great schools across the country, um, of course, across the world, but in particular across the country that I could get to, um, to go see and talk to. So um, some of the early inspirations for me um, and, and people who were very kind and generous with their time uh, were places like High Tech High, uh, which is a series of uh, charter schools out in San Diego, California, that really have pioneered um, project-based, purpose-driven learning. Um, they're doing just amazing, beautiful uh, work out there. And so uh, they were a great inspiration. The Number Lab uh, down in Austin, Texas, uh, the Mount Vernon Institute for Innovation in Atlanta, uh, the Blue School, World Avenue School in, in um, uh, New York City, Watershed in Boulder. Um, there's really great schools. I mean, and I will say this. I mean, I, you and I talked about this, but uh, the old traditional model of schooling where students sit in uh, desks and rows and do quizzes and worksheets and get grades for that, that is dying on the vine. And you see it in places like Stanford that's reimagined their college of education around what they call their D school, uh, their design school. Um, mm -hmm. You're seeing it in, um, you know, Harvard, uh, the 21st century learning skills that they're pushing and promoting. And so the idea that, you know, I think five, 10 years from now, um, students will continue to be sitting in desks and, and rows doing quizzes and worksheets for a grade instead of um, hands-on, collaborative, project-based, purpose-driven, creative uh, work is, is going to be gone. And, um, you know, I think we're kind of at the uh, front end of that, but I do think that wave is coming. And so, yeah, I spent um, time just sitting down with anybody that would that would uh, take a meeting with me. And I got to talk with a lot of the uh, founders of those schools, a lot of the heads of those schools to ask questions about, um, you know, St. Anne's in New York, that that is a narrative based transcript. They've never given a grade. Um, you know, they were founded in the 60s. Um, the Harkness Method out of Exeter, it's been going on, you know, gosh, since the 30s. So, Sitting down and talking to those um, those folk really kind of helps solidify one this can be done, um, but also mm -hmm. help me um, imagine how it could be done in our content here in Oklahoma City. Yeah, and I love um, you know all, the fact that you were able to go and you know do that and see all those schools is fantastic. But to be able to share that with others too, I think is so helpful and 
and relevant um, because, you know, I think there are others that are interested in becoming, you know, those school leaders and starting kind of the micro school model around the country. Um, But, you know, they may not be able to kind of do that kind of traveling or may not be sure where to go or where to start. So I think your story is so important. And also, and, um, you know, you've told me a little bit about the success that some of your students are having now that you're getting graduates and, you know, students are moving out of um, your high school into, you know, post-secondary work. And so I'd love for you to share just a little bit about that, because I know you're not doing kind of the traditional SIT and testing and and ACT and SAT. So how is that working for you guys? Yeah, no, I love telling you. So, I mean, we, we started day one that we would never um, give a test. We would never give a grade. We do not do GPA um, transcripts. Uh, We instead do narrative transcripts. So um, in a given class, uh, a student will get, you know, we, we, as the um, faculty will give a full page reflection of, you know, how the student did in the class, what books they read, projects they let out on um, the critical thinking they did, the intellectual virtues, uh, that they that they expressed, um, and it's a again it's a full page, um, so for each student each class, so you know, as they graduate, they're here four years in high school, you know they could have six eight ten pages of a narrative transcript, and what we have found is colleges are really excited about that because it tells a story um, of the student. They can clearly see the work that the student has done. Um, if they gave a spoken word in a class, if they did a design project. Um, if they wrote, you know, a, a really um, impressive thesis paper, it's all narrated there, as opposed to a traditional transcript GPA, where you've got an 87 here, a 74 there, a 91, and nobody really knows what happened there. Um, was it all worksheets? Was it coloring book pages? Did they watch movies all day? There's just no story behind that. And so for our students, um, everything is about helping them tell a better story. And um, even academically, pedagogically, um, when it comes to assessments. So that's, that's, uh, I think it's important pe- for people to understand that up front, um, that when our students walk out the door, they're walking out with a narrative transcript and not a numeric one, but they're walking into um, really beautiful stories. So, um, you know, I'll tell just a, a handful of those. On the college front, we have 100% um, college acceptance into a, a student's first school of choice. So that doesn't mean um, that that's even beyond just college acceptance, that means whatever the student's first school of choice is, that is um, so far, that's where they've gotten into. And that's great places like, yeah, yeah, it's NYU, UC Santa Cruz, George Washington, Penn State, BYU, um, uh, Lewis and Clark, uh, um, Colorado College, Hendricks, St. John's. 97% of our graduates in the last three years have gotten full rides to those top schools. Um, and then, um, so there, and, and that's without, uh, most of those without even the ACT, um, wow, most colleges are not really test optional. So yeah. that has certainly helped. So yeah, so hundred percent college acceptance into the top school of choice, averaging about $85,000 in scholarships, um, doing just really beautiful, um, work. But I also love to brag on the students who, um, are, ser- are serving, um, in orphanages, uh, overseas who are doing study abroads, uh, who have opened up their own welding shops. Um, who are going into um, cosmetology, who are starring in Nickelodeon films, um, who are, are flipping houses. So for us, um, again, our North Star is not college. Our North Star is human flourishing. So um, act, you know, certainly that looks like the students are doing really well, really beautiful work on the college front. And now we have graduates who are going on to do uh, PhD work in their fields. Um, but it's also the students who are doing just really um, important work in whatever their uh, passion is. And so 
Uh, we have students who are doing work in um, tattoo artistry and creative writing and videography, shooting films all over the world. So that's, that's me is the best part, um, that our students are walking out of Odyssey and then into wherever their uh, dreams and passions lead as um, really robust human beings. And so we have had tremendous success on the college front, but I would also say We've had tremendous success just on the flourishing front um, where our students are just walking into really beautiful stories. I love that. That's so fantastic. And I'm glad that you you brought that up. And it's not just a how can we get every single kid in our school to get a, you know, eighty five thousand dollars scholarship to a right. four year university. Absolutely. There's lots of different options and, and that's not necessarily what every student needs or wants or is best for them. So I love that you've got a variety of, you know, what's happening there. That's great. Thank you for sharing all those stories. I'm sure you've got a ton more (laughs) Um, and I, I'd love to hear just a little bit more too about kind of, you know, in the beginning of structuring this, what were some of the early challenges that you faced, or maybe you're still facing kind of in getting it launched and getting it put together since this wasn't like, this is something you've done a million times before. So (laughs) how did you overcome some of those early challenges? Yeah. um, I think the, the biggest early challenge was just um, helping people capture the vision of what could be. Um, Everybody knows what schooling looks like because we've all been to some some version of traditional schooling, whether it's public, private, um, homeschool, faith-based, whatever it was, it was what I'm going to call traditional schooling. And again, desks, rows, worksheets, quiz, tests, grades. So just helping people really um, open their minds up to imagine uh, something else than that. Uh, was really, I think, the hardest work. And I mean, I could go into um, stories of, uh, you know, those early, early um, years before we launched where I was doing town halls and, you know, just my mom would show up and um, just having people, um, even if they got excited, weren't, I mean, this is their their child we're talking about. And and so it's a, you know, it's not like I'm trying to get them to convince them to, to buy a new car or whatever, um, to put their child in a school that doesn't sound or look like anything they've experienced um, was really tricky. So those early years, it was a lot of just um, trying to open people's imaginations up. But once they got it, um, I mean, I would have parents who would cry and say, this is everything I've always wanted uh, for my child. And so we opened our doors in 2015 um, with about 35 students. And those were just really amazing uh, pioneer families um, and then once they kind of caught the vision, they shared that out and, and were able to um, be just great advocates for the work. And so, um, you know, now, of course, the model has proven itself um, exponentially more than even I could have uh, imagined at this point. And we've won numerous awards. We've been featured in uh, uh, books and magazines and all kind of great stuff. Um, so but in those early days, nobody knew it was the Wild West. Nobody knew what was going to happen. Um, and then I would say just the, um, you know, as we continue to walk this out, what are the new edges that we can um, push? And so, you know, we're, we're now looking at beyond just the work we're doing, um, you know, as a school, what are the conversations that we can have? Um, where are the places that we can um, kind of expand uh, the vision? And so that's in everything from working with colleges of education and teacher prep to, um, you know, I'm applying for grants to create an institute for the study of adolescent flourishing in education, um, looking at uh, working with school leaders who um, either they're in traditional schools, but they want to 
begin to do some of this, uh, whether it's narrative transcripts, mentoring, project-based learning, some piece of this. Uh, so working with school leaders in that way to what you're talking about, working with people who want to really step far outside um, of the main and do something different. So there's a lot of, and then, you know, we're hosting retreats um, for educators and those things. So there's a lot of um, kind of extraneous work that we're um, walking into now. And so those are just new, new um, visions that we have. But the central heart of what we do, of course, is um, helping students flourish and thrive. And, and, but also faculty, and we've got amazing faculty um, that are so passionate, um, extremely hardworking, but also a lot of fun to hang out with and, and uh, uh, do this work. So it's still every day is still um, kind of pioneering, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it sure sounds like it. it sounds like you guys have a lot of fun. And I know your model is kind yeah. of the micro school um, model. And I, I, I believe you guys, you know, have the tuition currently for students. Um, and right. I know we talked a little bit about kind of, you know, what does that look like? Because it's your model works well with a smaller group of students in terms of you're doing lots of projects and things like that. But in terms of being able to pull different types of families in, I know we talked a little bit about that and maybe, uh, you know, potential for looking at other funding sources, but currently you're using just the tuition kind of model for, for students in your school. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it is, it is a tuition driven school. We work really hard to make that, um, to keep it low, to keep it accessible, to keep it equitable. Uh, we work really hard with families um, to make sure that we can meet them where they are at uh, financially. We never want uh, money to be the determining factor in what we do. So we work really hard um, on the fundraising side to generate scholarships uh, but then also really try to make sure that we are equitable and diverse um, and accessible in terms of our student population. And, and, and uh, we're still walking towards that end of trying to figure all that out. But uh, I wish I didn't have to charge tuition. Uh, but on the other hand, I wish I could pay my faculty six figures. So right. <laughs> somewhere in the middle of all that is, um, you know, kind of where we're walking this out. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing more about that. It's typically the first question or one of the top questions that I get from other people that are yep. interested in starting schools is funding. How do you do your yeah. funding? What does a funding model look like? How do you come up with the, you know, the capital to do that? So yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, and you know, just any other advice to, or anything you wish you would have known information in the beginning that you're like, man, that would have been helpful. <laughs> Cause I know. Yeah. I mean, I would just say, <laughs> yeah, I think if this, it's, uh, conversation is reaching those who like me um either you know i was a i was an english teacher sitting in a classroom teaching students um you know getting them ready for an ap test and maybe as a as a teacher or maybe a school administrator um, you're sitting there thinking gosh i wish i could do this this and this differently uh, one of the best pieces of advice i got um around probably 2013 when i was just starting to kind of imagine a friend of mine said scott quit asking permission and just go do it and, you know, at the time I was thinking, okay, I've got to have a million dollars. I've got to have all these different things lined up. And, you know, that piece of advice was really wise um, and, and beneficial to kind of kick me out the door. And again, it has been, uh, it has not been an easy, straightforward path. A lot of um, setbacks, a lot of difficulties as you can imagine, but just the, um, just taking that one step of faith into kind of the fog um, to see what could be. And then the fog clears a little bit. You take the next step and the next step and the next step. And then I can look behind and say, okay, now that makes sense. Um, so I would just say to those who are, um, whether you're a parent wanting something better for your kid and others or an educator um, believing that it should be different, 
I would say take that first step, um, whatever that looks like. And it's not always going to work out. It is certainly not going to be pretty. It's going to be messy um, and difficult, but all the good things in life, I think, really are. And so the other thing, the other advice I would give is um, on the front end, um, really, really build a network of um, advocates and um, supporters who will have you in those dark days. Um, so one of the things I did earlier was I built out, um, we certainly have a board of governors, a board of directors, but I also built out um, a board of advocates, um, just people that would be more than, um, and they don't have like a governing vote or say in what happens, but they're more people that are a sounding board, um, uh, people who can provide encouragement, um, who can, who can just kind of listen when things are hard. So I would say, um, you know, as you know, um, being an entrepreneur, being a, an innovator, and then being a leader of any of that is really lonely work. And there's, you're going to need a support network. And so, Mm Um, as you take that first step out into the fog, uh, make sure you've got people who you can kind of come back to and, and um, talk to and discuss things with and people who will walk that journey with you. Um, I mean, some of the people who are on the journey with me now um, were in my living room in 2012 when I was just like, man, should I do this? What would this look like? Um, they're still on the journey with me. And so I would say go for it, but go for it with a group of people. Um, they don't have to be on your board. They don't have to be people you hire, but they should be people that, I mean, you can, you can turn to when things get tough. Cause that's the one thing I say all the time. Um, I think the difference between leadership and management is the amount of suffering um, the leadership has to steward. And I don't know, managers get stressed. I don't know how, I don't know if they suffer deeply, but I can promise you a leader is going to suffer deeply. And you just need people that will um, be there all, all through the journey with you. So um, the rest of it becomes logistics and all those things. But I would say stepping out on faith um, and then doing so with a group of people that uh, you trust to, to be there um, all the way through. is a, th- Those are the two things I found really helpful. I love that. Yeah. And that's fantastic advice that you got just to, you know, I mean, there's always an excuse or a reason why something can't work. Um, yep. but you know, you just got to move forward. And the cool thing is, is that because of people like you, you know, you've really done a lot of work in sort of paving the way and, um, you know, letting people know, Hey, there is a different way. This can look different. This does work for students and parents and families. And, and so I, I think that the momentum is really starting to roll in that direction in our state and across the country in terms of, yeah. you know, being open to that. And that's really helpful um, because you had many more barriers in 2015 to kind of overcome, I think, than, you know, our uh, potential leaders do now in terms of getting things started. And there's so much more support around yeah. that. And, and um, you know, the work that I'm doing is, is kind of on the back end of support for that. And I can certainly connect people with that support across the state and the country. And so, yeah, I, you were one of those early pioneers that really paved the way when it was super scary. And I'm sure it's still scary now, but you know, we're kind of, I feel like moving towards a place where there is more and more support for people. So it's fantastic that you were able to well, do I agree that. wholeheartedly. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree wholeheartedly. This is, I said this earlier, but um, the landscape of education is changing dramatically. Um, the uh, focus and emphasis on, again, these more um, innovative approaches, 21st century uh, approaches are certainly, um, I think, more the norm, clearly than they were um, even five years ago. And that's why I said, I think in five, 10, 15 years, um, you know, I, I don't think you'll have too many students who are going to sit in a desk and do a worksheet. Um, I think they're going to 
um, create, design, innovate, discover uh, things we can't even imagine now. Um, so I, it's fun. It's fun to be part of that. Um, uh, it's fun to be in that vein um, mm-hmm. and get to um, have conversations like this with others who are promoting that. But it definitely is moving that direction. And that's, you know, if you look at, again, I mentioned Harvard and 21st century learning stuff, you look at, mm-hmm. I mean, all, all where, where things are going is this direction. So to me, I would rather be um, at the forefront of that than trying to play catch up in five to 10 years. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of the universities are starting to pick up programs called educational entrepreneurship. Yes. Yes. So that's exciting because that's preparing, you know, better preparing students for careers like this. And so I love that that, seeing that at Johns Hopkins, University of Pennsylvania, Harvard, lots of places across the country, particularly East Coast. But, you know, I'm sure as it does, it'll continue to spread across the country. Um, And you touched on it just a little bit, but maybe just uh, give me a little bit more about kind of plans for the future. I know um, you mentioned a little bit about kind of some research that you're thinking about doing or hoping to do. So tell me a little bit more about what your plans for the future are. Well, right. I mean, I, to me again, um, the goal now, now that we've got the school established really is to say, how do we expand um, the story and one encourage and support others who want to do this work. And so um, that's coming alongside everything from, um, teachers in a classroom who want to have more um, student voice and again, project-based stuff uh, to school leaders who want to perhaps move towards narrative uh, assessments and um, community partnerships uh, to colleges of education um, that are looking to reimagine what um, stu- uh, teacher preparation looks like. And so all of those things are things that we are actively um, walking towards now. Um, again, I think one of the biggest things that I'm uh, involved in now is, is creating, uh, again, what we're calling an institute for the study of adolescent flourishing and education. And so really trying to find, like, how can we help schools, whatever, you know, state they may be in, and by state, I mean, like, whatever context they may be in, um, how do we help them really center their work around adolescent flourishing? And, um, you know, the research on this is pretty clear, and I think even, um Anecdotally, teachers in the classroom uh, get it. The uh, stress, anxiety, depression, and even self-harm that um, students are facing, um, certainly externally, but, but in large part, as the research shows, uh, based on what's happening in schools, again, related to tests and grades and those kinds of things, it is alarming. And it's really, really, um, unfortunately, ramping up. And so um, I want us to um, find a way to step into that and and really try to bring some of those uh, tragic numbers down. So that's really the kind of holistic work I'm doing now is to say, um, how do we help education writ large um, um, reimagine itself towards healthier ends um, so that students don't uh, suffer underneath the grind of the system? So that's some work that, you know, hopefully we can get launched and off the ground and, and be uh, a resource and a hub for um, anyone under the umbrella of education, whether it's college, university, um, whether it's practitioners in the field, school leaders, parents, students themselves, um, anybody who can take the data and the research and say, okay, these are the best practices. These are the things that um, help students flourish and thrive. And I'll just give one small example of that. And again, it's, it's why we do this. Uh, but the research is really clear that students need to be in caring community with um, adults that they know really believe and support them. And so 
Um, the work we do in mentoring every day, I think, is the most vital work we do. And so that's one thing I would love to help uh, uh, schools really try to think through is how do we create a robust mentoring program that's not just, you know, uh, 30 minutes at lunch once a week in a, an advisory period, but really doing that and deep relational work um, alongside students. And so those are the kinds of things I think um, systemically and holistically uh, need to be uh, woven into schooling, if not just reimagined altogether. So having the data to support that, having the research to support that, you know, also having the, the clinical studies, but um, also the best practices. I think, I think that's where we're really uniquely situated to be um, a thought leader in that field. So those are the things we're going after now. Um, yes, we want to continue to serve students and families in our little corner of the world, uh, but we really want to help uh, tell a better story for education and schooling um, across the board. And so that's, those are some of the edges we're pushing now. Fantastic. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I, I think that's such important work for the future and appreciate that you are um, invested in trying to figure out how to, to make that happen. So it's fantastic. Um, yeah. I would love for you to share just a little bit about how our listeners can reach you if they have questions or um, want to know more about your school or what you're doing, what would be the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah. So um, to learn more about Odyssey Leadership Academy, it's uh, just odysseyleadershipacademy.org. And they can go to our website. They can see um, student work, celebrations of learning, um, spoken words, um, podcast, art stuff. They can see the scholarly research our students do. Um, so that's that's a great way just to see um, the school. And then uh, if somebody wants to connect with me, it's just scottmartin.ola at gmail.com. Um, and I would love, again, if you've got uh, people in your uh, network who are thinking about doing this, um, I'd love to sit down with them. And if there are people who are 20 years ahead of me, I would love to sit down <laughs> and learn from them. So yeah. Um, yeah, I just love being part of the conversation and um, any way I can help and any way I can learn um, is is much appreciated. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate that so much. Yeah. And is there anything else that you kind of just to wrap things up that you'd like to share with entrepreneurs or educational entrepreneurs that are thinking about schools or anything innovative in this space? Yeah, I would just say um, the work is hard. Uh, the work is difficult, but it is worth it. Um, again, we're talking about the formation of human beings in their most critical stage. Um, you know, my work primarily is with 6th through uh, 12th graders, so, uh, you know, 11 to 18-year-olds. But, of course, this can apply to, um, you know, younger students, college students. But, yeah, I just think the work of education is um, sacred work. And, unfortunately, we don't treat it like that. Um, but I would say to those who are, even if you are just a teacher in a classroom, um, and listening to this podcast all the way up to, um, a crazy wild haired, uh, innovators want to do something different. Um, the work, the calling is sacred. It is beautiful. It is, it is messy. It is difficult, but it sure is worth it. And I would just say, uh, one, thank you to those who are doing it. Um, and then two, stay the course. I know sometimes other, uh, other lines of work can become, um, seductive and alluring, uh, mm-hmm. But man, the work of education uh, with human beings in these really critical stages is, uh, I think it's just one of the most uh, sacred works, sacred vocations you can do. So I would say stay the course and know that, uh, that you're doing really beautiful, uh, beautiful work. Thank you, Scott. Thank you so much for sharing your story and that great advice. Fantastic. I really appreciate you being here and spending the time with me today. Yeah, it's been great. Um, like I said, I, I love the conversation. If there's anything I can do to help um, you or, or anybody 
um, man, please feel free to get in touch with me. It's, it's need each other. Um, it's a communal work. So thanks for having me on. Sure. No problem. And we'll definitely be sure and put your information in the show notes as well that you, that you shared out. So thanks again so much. God, I appreciate it. You bet. Thank you, Aaron. It's fun.